Liberty lockdown, pissed on your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show bunch of you have already subscribed to our sponsor and I want to thank you very much. I'm already receiving really good feedback. If you are interested, if you haven't heard about it yet, please check out the Daily Job Hunt. It is a daily newsletter that you receive for free in your inbox every morning. Basically, it's a little bit of advice on how to get started, uh, tips on, on hunting for jobs. Uh, sometimes it's encouragement and sometimes it's just telling you to stop feeling sorry for yourself. If I'm being blunt, uh, to get going, you know, some motivation, which we all need sometimes. Go to crash.co backslash daily. Again, that's crash.co backslash daily to subscribe to the daily job hunt. It is free. You can subscribe anytime, no big deal. Um, but if you are looking for a job, if you've come to me saying, Clint, how do I get going? How do I, how do I get to where you're at in life? Hey brother, this is a good starting point. All right. No more excuses. Get it going crash.co backslash daily. Let's get into the show. Welcome everybody to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. We have another special guest today. This is not my normal realm, but I think it will be tremendously interesting, particularly given the thesis of my show that these lockdowns are some sort of plot to take more power over the people. I have Charlie Robinson. He is the host of Macro Aggressions podcast, and uh, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about this. So thank you for coming on, Charlie. Thank you for having me. This is going to be good because, uh, you know, these lockdowns, you know, I was in uh, at Anarchapulco in February of 2020, which is uh, the largest anarchist convention. I wrote a mm -hmm. book with Jeff Berwick. He puts on the conference. I, I, I wind up going to him. It's a lot of fun. And we left that conference. That was the middle of February 2020. And we walked out of there. And I just assumed that everything would remain the same because things had always kind of been the same, maybe slight variations. And then three weeks later, everything changed. And here we are now. And I'm looking back on that time at Anarchapulco, which is just a little over a year ago. And it's like unrecognizable. And to, and to think that all of this could happen in a coordinated manner in just over a year is, is staggering to me still. You and me both, brother. I, I mean, given that you were, well, I actually, let's, let's get kind of the, the root of your conspiracy mindedness to yes. just, I know this is the, the standard question everyone gets asked on any show that they go on to, but what led you to this path? Um, well, reading John Perkins book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, I read that in the spring of 2007. And yeah. at that time I was living in Las Vegas and I was selling real estate and it was just booming. It yeah. was right before everything fell off the cliff. And, and I'm reading this book and John Perkins is explaining how debt is used as a weapon by the IMF and the World Bank to enslave entire nations. And I'm reading this and I'm going, whoa. And then it, it occurred to me, I was a part of it in a roundabout kind of way being in this real estate business. Sure. Um, and we were giving loans to people that had no business taking them and couldn't <laughs> afford to pay them back. And then taking back tangible assets in the form of like a house when things didn't, when, when they fell behind on their payments. And I was like, oh my God. And I just had this lightning bolt type of moment where I realized, 
I'm part of the problem. You know, I mean, not <laughs> actually, but I mean, I just didn't realize, I didn't realize the game. You were a cog I, in the wheel unknowingly. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so I start to, I, I start thinking, you know, then, then we have that economic um, collapse. Well, we have an economic incident in 2008 and I lost both of my houses and I, and, and all the people, you know, a lot of the people I sold houses to lost their houses. And I felt really horrible uh, for even being a part of it. I felt bad that I got duped as well. I even worked in the industry and I couldn't understand it. And then I just decided that like, okay, this is kind of like a three card Monty type game. They're running a scam. I want to just go around the other side of the table and say, all right, man, just explain to me how it works. Explain to me how it, so I spent the next couple of years in, when I wasn't working, trying to learn about how money works and the dollar and fiat currency and central banking and all and, and, and Wall Street. And, and, and it, it just kind of woke me up that there was just massive financial scam going on. Now, I already knew about 9-11. I had big questions about 9-11 uh, back in, you know, not the day of, but, you know, a couple years after, probably 2004, I was, uh, 2003, 2004, I was like, there's something not right. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it took a, it was a long process. And so I, I've been working in real estate. I still am. I'm not, obviously not involved in, I'm not, I was never involved in the lending, but the, it's a component when you're selling real estate, you don't have to make sure they've got a loan. So you sort of are, you know, you, you sort of have to know what's going on there. Now, um, you know, I, I, it's been, it took years and years to, uh, to try and figure this stuff out. And one day I was having a conversation with my mom. I was explaining some new I don't know, conspiracy I had discovered some, some new fascinating thing I'd come across. And, and she's always a pretty good sport. You know, she listens and she, she hears me and, and, and she doesn't tell me I'm crazy or anything like that. And <laughs> sounds and like a good was, mom. <laughs> it's a good mom. Yeah, exactly. It's the best I could hope for. Right. I mean, I don't expect her to be like, you know, on board with David Icke on day one, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I was explaining something and she said, this is great. This is fascinating. You've got all this information in your head what are you going to do with it? And I was like, I do. I don't know. I didn't, I, I never crossed my mind. I had to do anything with it. So that started me thinking and it took about a year or so. And then I re realized, well, maybe I should just write a book. So I didn't tell anybody. Uh, I started writing this book called the octopus of global control. And I wrote it in total secrecy. Didn't tell anybody about it. Got it uh, finished up and and, and as soon as the, and, and the first batch of books came to my house, I wasn't there to intercept it. My wife found it instead, opened up this big box, like, what is this? And found all these books and flipped it over and my face is on the back. And she threw me out of the house for two days for emotionally <laughs> eating on her <laughs> by oh writing a book. <laughs> so she's, she is, she has since come to realize that I was just compelled you know, I just felt I, I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want anybody to stop me. And sure. I felt like I had to write this book. And then years later, I was promoting it. And I was in London. Uh, well, what doing, year was this? Uh, the, I put the book out in 2017. Okay. Uh, and then in 2019, I was in London and I was uh, doing press for the book. And I was talking to a guy who had done a, a documentary called Four Horsemen. And we, we were during the interview, he asked me about the book. I said, I wrote it in secret and everything. We got done with the interview and he said, you know, uh, 
in in my documentary Four Horsemen, I have John Perkins, the author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman in there. I said, well, I'm very much aware of that. He said, did you know that John Perkins wrote his book in total secrecy too? And I said, no, I didn't know that. I said, he was wow. the inspiration for me writing this book. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he didn't tell anyone either. He didn't want it. He didn't want somebody to tell him to stop. And I was like, that was, and, and like my wife is off stage. I'm like, you got to hear that. You know, I'm like, I'm not crazy. There's another person that thinks the same thing, you know, and he sold like 10 million copies of his book, but um, so that's how wow. it started. You know, that's, and that's how, that's how my thing, it, it just, I felt like I had to, I felt like I had to, t to, to try and do whatever I could to sound the alarms on some of this stuff. I also find the, the information to be fascinating too. Oh, and, yeah. I, and not to say that it's all true, you know, but I like to geek out about what if the earth is flat or what if there's a hollow earth or, you know, all these, yeah. I consider those to be kind of harmless, like fun thought experiment type things. Like, Oh, what if there is no sky? What if there's no space? You know, like, <laughs> you're like, what if there's no you know, I mean, that's fun. But then there are people that will say, Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. And I'll say, no, no, I'm a conspiracy analyst mm -hmm. because some well, of them not, aren't true. If you're I'm not writing about the theoretical ones, we're analyzing the actual ones and there's right. plenty of them there. So, so it's, it's, it's an industry that is really kind of strange. You know, it's a bunch of us weirdos that want to get the word out. And we understand that what we're talking about is pretty uh, non-traditional types of things. But once you understand how the system works, uh, you'll, you'll be able to, you'll be able to see how, where all this disinformation comes from. And then you'll be able, because we're human beings and we're really good at pattern recognition, you'll be able to just spot it. You right. know, you'll be like, oh, they're using the same thing over and over or that, you know, the same terms or the same person or, or, or here comes a girl to deliver the bad news. They were putting throwing babies out of the incubators or, uh, you know, how dare you, you know, and you're like, wait a second. I, they use that girl yep. as a, as a shield to deflect criticism. I get it now. So like, as I would learn more and more, I would feel kind of compelled to, to tell people about it, to write about it. And there's only so many times you can, I can tell my mom about this stuff or my wife before they're, they're like, we're, we're good. We don't <laughs> so, yeah, and you, and you want to, you, you, I mean, if, if you see these things and you believe that they're true, I, I think it's a totally natural human instinct to try and warn people like, Hey, yeah. this is, you're being lied to. And this is why, and this is what it probably will mean to your life. And uh, yeah. particularly when it comes to the, the economic hitman stuff, it's extremely valuable information because yeah. you can, you can basically evaluate the, the economic system that we are operating under today and extrapolate it into the future to see what should I be doing investment wise so that I'm not ran over by these economic hitmen? So that's my first question for you. Well, first off, uh, before I go there, when did you start Macroaggressions? Because I've listened. It's a great show. I hope everybody will subscribe. I, I started it in just a year ago, March, oh, wow. March of 2020. I had- um, You timed it well. <laughs> I, yeah, I, did, yeah, I didn't mean to time it that well, uh, but-, but uh, I record pre-recorded a, a, a bunch of episodes in advance of it. And then it just wound up happening that I, I re released it like the day the lockdowns <laughs> oh started. God. A conspiracy so, theory podcast starts on the day of lockdowns. Well, that, that is fate. I, you are double faded, man. I would trade in my podcast for this stuff to have never happened though. Oh, you know what I mean? Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> same, same here. Do you think I'd like to be called Liberty Lockdown? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Very I wanted, much I wanted to do a, 
we'll do podcasts about baseball next time. You know yes. what I mean? Because well, that would I, mean all the problems are solved, you know, yes. but it, it, I, I would, it, I would love to get back to just talking about my Lakers or my Padres. That would be tremendous. But uh, yeah, people don't even know I'm a sports fan. Cause I don't talk about that at all. I know um, me too. I own a sports company. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> so like, <laughs> and people are like, why, why are you in this conspiracy stuff? I said, because I find it, I find a lot of it, not all of it, but a, a lot of it to be a priority. Yes. You know? Yeah. Cause it like impacts us, our lives. Massively. Uh, yeah. Like so that's, being locked down. Uh, well, yeah. let, that's the, the first question I have for you. Uh, you probably don't know, but I'm, uh, I was for many years an entrepreneur and a private money mortgage broker. So I very much am privy to the real estate market and lending. And, and I understood very intimately the damage caused after the 08 collapse, because I understood the leverage within the system. Um, probably because I was in the lending side and I come from an Austrian economics background, I knew how unhealthy the system was. So I wasn't like a real estate agent that was just selling houses. I was really looking at the dollars and cents behind everything and going like, this is unsustainable. We're in serious trouble. Um, so when it came, I wasn't at all surprised, but my job was to liquidate the foreclosures. So I was responsible for filing eviction and changing the keys and renovating. So I saw the human trauma firsthand and I took that and I internalized it and I used it for fuel to basically shelter my investors because I'm a private money mortgage broker. So I would have private investors, which are, you know, semi-wealthy people that would invest their capital with me. I would lend it out to people to purchase real estate. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what I did. But because I, I, my formative career path or the formative years of my career path were right in the worst economic collapse of uh, particularly of the real estate market, basically in the history of the country at the time. And I think in the future, it's going to be worse, but yeah, um because I got to see that firsthand, I, I became a very good steward for my investors. And I was ex extraordinarily conservative because the last thing I wanted to do was to see them lose capital in the next go around. Yeah. So my question for you, uh, after having been involved in it and now, you know, kind of, it sounds as if you've extrapolated the economic hitman model. And I would imagine that you are applying that to the Federal Reserve and, and the system that we operate under today. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's very fair. Yeah. I had no idea about the Fed. You know, okay. I just thought they were, you know, I just thought they were a government agency. <laughs> right, so right. I go from that, from, from me thinking that it's a government agency to flash forward to 2019, uh, Mexico City, uh, sitting in the airport waiting to catch a flight to Anarcapulco. And I've got G. Edward Griffin right next to me. No kidding. And I said, Ed, I'm going to see you speak tomorrow. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, he's such a funny guy. I said, but in the meantime, I'm going to drive you insane with about 800 questions about, you know, and we just talked for like an hour. And so I, you know, to, 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 to go from knowing nothing about it to sitting with the guy that wrote the book on the federal reserve and picking his brain about the creature from Jekyll Island, how it came about. And he's been talking about this for 30 years and, and, and why it hasn't caught on. And we're, we're both headed to Anarcopoco to speak about money. And, and, and I'm, I'm in the real estate business and he's obviously talking about uh, fiat currency and things like that, man. I, it was like, it was like an out-of-body experience because I, I just realized like how unbelievably naive and unprepared I was to be involved in the stock market during the <laughs> dot-com boom, right. to be involved in the real estate market. I realize now that I didn't know anything. Like I was the guy walking into the poker game, the game that's like, oh, hello, fellas. Uh, mind if I sit down? And everyone's like, 
have a seat, sucker. You know, <laughs> if you and, don't spot and, the fish, you are it. Yeah, exactly. And so I had to. So you had the Austrian economics background, and you understood what was going on. Now I I can see it. You know, now I can see it. And I've described it like this. Um, those paintings that you're, those pictures you look at, they're all just a bunch of dots and you have to squint your eyes and then you're like, an elephant. Yes. You know? As soon as you see that elephant, you can always see the elephant when you look at that painting, but everybody else can stand there for a long time and never see it. I feel like that's how I am now when it comes to propaganda and mm. when it comes to the, uh, the sort of, the the what's going on with the financial with the money printing and things like that i feel like now i i hear their terms and i know exactly what the i mean they use these funny quantitative easing and stuff like that i'm like this is just they're just disguising money printing this is just yeah. i i it now it's now it's so obvious mm -hmm. yeah and, but but when i was in it i couldn't see it so so is is it your belief that they are utilizing it to what what is what is the conspiracy theory i mean obviously they're i don't even know if it's a conspiracy theory it's to me it's so transparently obvious that they are manipulating the money system to to strengthen their power to uh, better themselves financially like this all seems obvious but i am curious if there is a theory as to what they are planning for what is their end game with the cuz I, I always struggle to imagine that the people that that propagate mmt uh, modern monetary theory and things like that these are highly educated people and, and from very highly esteemed universities, Harvard and Yale and all over the place. And they are, they are propagating a message that is, to me, so ahistorical, so anti-economics of any real level of economics. I, I always ask myself, are these people sinister or are they indoctrinated and dumb? You know, so what is your opinion as to that? I think there's a, I think there's a little bit of both. Okay. I think that, um, I think that the plan is to hyper to, to, I mean, first of all, 40 per, according to the stats I've seen, and it could be a little off, uh, 40% of all dollars that are in existence right now were created last year. Yes. That is, I mean, if that isn't a hyperinflationary, uh, like, signal. I don't know what is. I think that's probably in part a large reason why Bitcoin took off the way it did. People see that as a, as some, as, as at least something with a, you know, with some sort of a limited supply, limited supply, as opposed to fiat dollars that are just constantly cranked out. And then, and then who's to say how, who even really knows how much money is out there? I mean, floating around, it's hard, it, it's hard to imagine, but we were making Berwick and I in this book, uh, the controlled demolition of the American empire that we put out in October, we're making the comparisons, the way the Soviet union was taken down, how it had external forces manipulating the currency. And it had, uh, the politicians were stealing anything they could get their hands on. And they were privatizing industries and handing them off to their oligarch buddies. And we're seeing some of these same similarities in the United States. And when we believe that the, the currency is meant is they're trying to hyperinflate it and that they're going to crash it in order to destroy the American empire. So that, um, you know, so that, so that it, we're, we're no, you know, the same way they destroyed the Soviet union, that the American empire is next uh, slated for destruction because these, these people don't owe any sort of allegiance, allegiance mm -hmm. to a, a nation. You know, they're, they're, in, they're as David Rockefeller said in his autobiography on page 405 you know my family is we're called internationalists mm -hmm. and you know and and, and they, that's what they are it's it's people it's 
people like that. I believe it was also him who said, why would I want to be the president? I don't want to take a demotion. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So this is, this is a, a, you know, a mentality of they're, they're using the United States up and will discard it when they're, when they're done with it. And, and we see this through the, the hyperinflation of the currency. We definitely are going to see some, something in the form of a, of a digital, uh, some sort of digital coin being rolled out by the Fed. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, you know, they'll say all the things you say, oh, it's private and it's this, and it'll be none of those things. It'll be the exact opposite. And we're, we're already seeing sort of a push uh, towards, you know, cash free. You know, we saw that in 2020, there was like any excuse to get to demonize cash. They used it. So it's like, oh, coronavirus lives on dollar bills. It's like, stop. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we've got to get rid of them. Use your credit card that, you know, doesn't have coronavirus all over it and your dirty fingerprints and everything. And and we're going to, and we're going to swipe it through the same thing. We swipe everybody else's card through how much more sanitary could you get? You know? Right, right, right. (laughs) So, so um, there we are thinking logically again, we can't do that. So, so yeah, we, you know, I, I fear for the, uh, I fear for the uh, economy going forward because we're, we're seeing people try, you know, it's like, how fast can you get into, can you trade your fiat currency for some sort of asset, you know, whether it's a, um, you know, real estate, which is having an uh, unusual bounce right now. And and I would say unsustainable bounce. I still manage a real estate brokerage in Las Vegas and you can't even buy anything. There's such short supply. You're, you're, you know, there's 20 offers on it. Every, all of them are over asking price. And I'm going, how this economy is busted. The, 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 the stores are closed. Why, why is everybody feeling this frenzy to get themselves a house? So it just stinks of 2007. It sure me. does. Yeah. yeah, no, it sure I, does. So, so who is they? And when you, when you talk about, uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned the Rockefellers, is it, is it the banking elite? Is it the people that run the IMF and things like that? We would, we would define it as the uh, international banking families. Mm-hmm. And that leaves it sort of vague. It's sort of a consortium of, of, of big time banking families. Obviously the banks are involved, but it's this interlocking board of governance too, that, that, that everybody is sitting on each other's boards. And, uh, and that creates this, this real weird system where you're, you're sort of all in the club. It, mm-hmm. It's like a, a, you know, the, the top major corporations are all so interlinked. And, and I think that number was like 147 of them control some massive percentage of the amount of, uh, uh revenue happening every year. So it, it's, it's this banking elite, uh, we would call them. And I don't find them to be elite at all, to be clear. I find them to be, you know, maybe a better definition would be the predator class. You know, they, they tend to, uh, I, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody that's, that's wealthy. I don't mean that, that wealth necessarily means it, but there's a segment, a certain segment of the, of the wealthy that, that, it's never enough. And it's, and it's like the thrill of the kill and they enjoy like, you know, throwing people out on the streets and, and doing, doing that sort of stuff. So, so there's a, there's a, a kind of dark component there in the, in that banking world. And, and it blends in, in a weird way with, with some of the secret societies. I know it gets a little woo woo when you go down that path, but there is some overlap there and they're into some kind of nefarious things. And doesn't, and doesn't so, surprise me at all. 
Well, yeah, and I think I think it's important that that distinction you made is that like you should delineate between people that are worth even ten or fifty million dollars. That's not what we're talking about. We're no. talking about people that are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. So yeah, I, I think that that's that's the big mistake that people make when they like. I remember during um, what was it? Not Operation Wall Street. What was the Occupy, Occupy Wall, Wall Street? Occupy Wall Street, um, where they were saying we are the ninety nine percent, and I was like you know that the 1% isn't that rich? Like, cause if you're on the low end of that bracket, you're making like 400 grand a year. I mean, you're not, you're not yeah. rich. You're doing right. very well, but you're not rich, rich. And then you have on the other end of that spectrum, you have people making billions of dollars a year. So it's yeah. like that yeah, 1% window is huge. And, and I think it's, it's a really big mistake because like who doesn't want to create a society where people can make three or four or $500,000 a year. Like that's, that's ideal. But yeah. you also don't want these these predators, as you described them, and I think that's an apt description. Is that they? It's not even that, that it's never enough. It's that the way in which they want to attain it is at the detriment to society. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's what that's what makes them so unlikable. And 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 they're and they all pat each other on the back while they're doing it. Mm. It's pretty disgusting. I, I'm I'm all for. Uh, creating businesses and doing that. And I, and I have, I have done that myself. I, sure. it's a, it's a risk. Uh, if, and, and there's reward there, you can run it into the ground or you can turn it into something great, but it's all, it's about how you treat people in yep. the process of doing this and, and how you what your values are. And, and, and you can, you can make a lot of money and still not compromise yourself. Uh, there's plenty of people out there doing it, but there, there, there's this, there's this uh, segment of the population that are narcissistic psychopaths and, and sociopaths in this like, and they tend to gravitate towards positions of power, positions of, of authority and positions where they can make a lot of money and they don't seem to have the types of hangups uh, mentally about cutting somebody's out of a deal or, you know, screw, you know, screwing oh, yeah. somebody over. They, they're, they're not hampered by those sorts of, uh, uh, concerns. And, and so they find themselves disproportionately succeeding, uh, yes. unfortunately, in these companies. And, and, and so that's why you get this sort of uh, like the psychopaths kind of bubble to the top. And mm -hmm. everyone's like, why is government so screwed up? It's like, well, because the type of people that want to get into the federal government and tell you what to do all day long are not the type of people that you would want running things. You know, that's yeah. part of the reason why they're so screwed you, up. You would rather them not run a fast food restaurant, much less the laws that you have to live under. Why are yes. you appointing these people that level of power? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, right. I, I, I completely agree. And, and for the record, just so that people don't accuse me of partisanship, Donald Trump is one of these people. He is one of those people that would oh, yeah. absolutely... He'll, I mean, he was known for ripping off some contractors and things like that. I mean, this is this is the level of business we're talking about. If you're a billionaire, you are you are likely likely willing to, you know, use contract law to try and rip people off, and and you get patent protection, and you use the power of the state to try and better your your position within the market. You try to use regulations to crush your competition. I mean, these are all of the signs of of the wealthiest of the wealthiest on the planet. And they happen to be completely in bed with the government. And that's how it's always been. But now because the government is as big as it's ever been, it is worse than it's ever been. And, yeah. and that's my next question for you is what, do you think that the lockdowns was part of these, this economic hitman plot? Like where, where does, what's the genesis of the lockdowns? Because as most people know, this is not, this is a historical anomaly. This is not what we do. And I am, 
racked with doubt and questions over this topic. So I would love to know what your thesis is on it. Yeah, the so the lay the blueprint for 2020 was laid out well in advance. It was in a document called Lockstep by the Rockefellers that they put out in 2010, almost identical to it. Uh, then you have um, you have. Uh, uh, event 201, of course, happened in October of 2019 with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johns Hopkins, and um, and and they uh, to get and, and of course the World Economic Forum, and they ran a stimulation role playing um, something that had been written in 2017, just a few years earlier. It's called SPARS, S P A R S, and it's this uh, scenario that happens in the future, 2025, and it lays out almost identical, once again, to the way this pandemic was going to be released, even down to the point in this document, it, it talks about um, uh, rappers, they used a fake rapper, and he was going to say this, this and this, and it would be a hashtag, you know, get vaxxed. And and they show wow. the you know the comparisons to what it is today with Run DMC doing the the vaccine Incredible. cartoons and they've been you know their tweets you know hashtag get vaxxed. If, well, if, so, I, if, if I remember correctly, it's also a coronavirus that is yes. yeah like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. So they're they're proje- they're predicting things uh, scenarios that wind up happening almost identical to the way in which they predicted them years earlier. I mean, you have Weird coincidence. To, you have to ask: <laughs> the, Is there advanced knowledge? And then you start to see some of the same uh, characters showing up over and over again. Uh, Event two hundred one. You had a, a, two people from Johns Hopkins, uh, Thomas Inglesby and uh, Tara O'Toole, and they were two people that showed up in the Crimson Contagion uh, role playing exercise that wound up going live back in 2001. These two people, I mean, they're right out of the, the same thing with the anthrax that, oh, they that was anthrax. Yeah. Yeah. That's what wound up happening exactly the way, uh, they role played it. And then now they're a part of event 201. Boom. Same thing. Six months later starts to roll out the same way. So what it is, it, when you look back on it, it, it it's pretty, it, it seems like it's easier to, to figure it out now in, in retrospect, but it looks like the world, uh, economic forum, which is Davos. They have a plan for a fourth industrial revolution. And that is this idea that they are going to uh, remake society in a way and make everybody stakeholders, which is code for them. And nobody else is going to have anything. They start to talk about uh, concepts like, hey, in 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll never have been happier. <laughs> and then they start to talk about, um, you know, some, some of the... Uh, the, the build back better is a term that we started hearing from Biden reset, administration. Yeah. And they said, well, we're, we're going to build back better. We're gonna... Well, that's from the World Economic Forum once again. And this is a, a slogan that they've had for a <laughs> while now, pre, pre-corona. And just from that slogan, it implies something. It implies that it's going to be destroyed because therefore you have to build it back right. better. Right. So in their slogan, they're basically saying, we're going to build back society better. Now, if they if they run that sales pitch in 2019, nobody cares. Nobody's interested. Nobody, you know, things are fine. Things are normal. But after what we went through in 2020, and then you start to hear it towards the end of 2020, build back better and World Economic Forum, and you'll... And they're offering the sales pitch of this new society, this new way of living, 
now more people are inclined to go, well, this current one sucks. So what are you offering? You know, and, but they're the ones that destroyed it. <laughs> right, right. They're the ones that destroyed it. And they, and they, because they have to destroy it in order to get the, get you to this new paradigm, they have to break the current one. So they're the ones behind this. I believe fully that they are uh, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Johns Hopkins, who let me remind people was, it was involved and found guilty in the Guatemala syphilis experiment. So there are no angels there. Um, I think these three groups in conjunction with others plan this whole thing. I think that the, the, the idea was to destroy, I mean, because look at what's happened in the wake of it. You've got to destroy society. You've got to destroy the family. You've got to destroy the way schools are. You've got to destroy the small and medium-sized businesses. You've got to, you've got to wreck everything and then build it back. I mean, mission accomplished, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it certainly, it certainly makes logical sense. I, I think the only reason I haven't fully embraced this theory is because I struggle to imagine the level of brazenness it would take to have a, a plan and put it in writing and have it. I mean, were, were those documents leaked or were they publicly available? No, they've been available. They've been available for a while. Um, so, so do they think? Do they think that if it's just so brazen, if the lie is so big and so brazen, that we'll just assume that it can't be true? There, there's a couple components to that. It's a really good question. A really good point. It, be, because I was with you and I didn't understand this. So, what I, how I, it's been explained to me by people that have far more knowledge about these sorts of occult components. Mm-hmm is that in this belief system that these maniacs uh, belong to this, I'm not particularly religious, but I mean, these, these, this group, there's a component of them that are into, you know, Luciferians and into that sort of stuff. Uh, And I don't, so I don't say that as like some sort of slur. I mean, that's the the religion that they're into. Mm -hmm. And according to the people that I know that, that know about that, they say that there's a component of there is a, a, a code of ethics that they live by it, it, that we might not understand, but it is that they can do whatever they want to do to us, to every, to the others, as long as they tell us what they're going to do before they do it. No and way. that offers them some sort of karmic cleansing and it becomes not their, um, not their problem, not a stain on their soul. They believe that if they explain this, and I've had really good talks with Ole Damagard about this. We talked about false flag stuff and he, and he's explained, he's gone into great detail with me about this, that, that if they put it out there and the, and it can be done in, in obvious ways, like overt ways, like le- you know, like writing books about right. like the club of Rome, writing books saying that you're going to invent climate change and putting it. So you could do that, or it could be more subtle in in more uh obscure like hiding code word charlie the you there? current false flag attacks so then what you see is the next false flag happens at that place and this is the conversation i've had with Ole. and i know a lot of people go get out of here with that nonsense wait, wait, wait. no i'm sorry we had we had a breakup in the connection, so I okay. I heard you at uh, they can hide it in in and then it froze for like thirty seconds. Okay. So sorry. Okay, they can hide they can hide what their their intentions or what they want to do in in, in the obvious places like writing books, or they can hide it in more obscure places, 
like um, like putting little nods inside a false flag attack that is a clue to where the next one is happening. So as an example with, with my friend Ole Damagard, who I, I think is the best false flag expert out there, he will find clues in the pictures of an attack. Uh, it'll be, a, it'll be a, lots of shoes everywhere or a bicycle somewhere, all these signs. And then you'll see a, a picture of a girl standing there and uh, along the side of her, her sweatpants says Las Vegas. No way. He'll say, he'll say the next attack is in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, and two weeks later, we have the Las Vegas shooting. And so he'll find these little, these little, and he's done it with, he's done it with like 40 different false flags. So he's not, it's not about luck. It's, it's that they're encoding little, little nods to one another in these things. So Holy it's shit. so dark and so, and so insane. I mean, when you start talking about things like that, people just go, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is pretty hard to believe, but I fully recognize how <laughs> insane that sounds. I totally get it. Uh, but, but, that, but if you, part of this that, that's so hard, I think for people is like, you have to kind of think like a psychopath, you know, like you have to, if you can put yourself in their shoes, things start to make a little bit more sense. So like you and I would never, would, would never dream of, of encoding some crazy hint in a false flag that we were pulling off. You know, we would never even be doing the false flag in the first place, but, but these people, they just think differently. And so yeah. it, they, it frees them up to cross lines that the rest of us would never think of crossing. I think, and, I think and, this, I'm starting to understand Alex Jones, uh, you know, slowly deteriorating, deteriorating mental state after understanding all this and being like, right? holy shit, what am I dealing with? Um, right. I, I gotta, I gotta ask you real quick. Oh, is, is there a, a solid thesis as to what transpired in Las Vegas? Cause I've researched the hell out of it and I can't come up with a real conclusion. No, it's, it, I, it is one that I am all over the place on. And I've talked to some people that have really focused on it. And I have a personal, you know, I mean, I've lived in Las Vegas for nine years. And so I have a, you know, it's, and I still work there. So I have a real connection to that city and right. God, I've been in Mandalay Bay, you know, a hundred times. And I've been in it a dozen. I'm in San Diego. So I, I've stayed there probably half a dozen times. It, it was, yeah. it was jarring. And I, and you know, what's crazy. Yeah. I had actually been at a a country music festival in Las Vegas one year prior to that. And I was just like, I could have totally been there. Like, I, like, I'm not even a country fan. I just went because there was some single girls that invited me. Yeah, but I'm just saying like, it was devastating. And it was, and it's so, that one is so wild to me because it's, I, I believe it's the most deadly, you know, uh, mass shooting in history of yeah. our country. Yes. And we have no fucking answers. No. And, and, and did you notice? So th there's so many, suspicious things around it but oh, one of the infinite. most suspicious things is that nobody talks about it yes that is that is the most suspicious thing is that this is like the biggest mass shooting which we're in a period where you know banning guns is the big narrative yeah and they kind of dropped that story and you know yeah. that's the complete opposite of what you would expect unless there is something really fucked up that happened that day there is i mean i have heard i've 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 heard some really convincing theories 
on a variety of, of topics. Um, but I mean, uh, Saudi I, princes, I've heard, I've heard a bunch of stuff. I've heard Saudi hitmen on yeah. helicopters, muffled helicopters that, that don't make noise. I mean, I've, I've seen some, some crazy stuff. What I do know is that, uh, and you know, this as well, is that you can't get that many guns up an elevator shaft in, in the man in Mandalay Bay or, you know, or any of any Vegas hotel, let's be honest, even if it's four o'clock in the morning and they're in the half the staff is gone, somebody is going to see you do that. That, I mean, it's just, it just seemed very, well, they, uh, they allegedly allowed him to use the, the utility uh, elevator. So like right. the, I mean, and they're like, well, because he was a high roller, I'm like, okay. I mean, maybe uh, that maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's still, yeah. it's still a massive stretch. I mean, uh, every, every side of this thing, the guy, the guy has no record. He seems to be, uh, laundering money with his gambling practices. So he seemed, yep. I, my thesis, my belief is that he was a gun runner for the, for the CIA. And, and then he was set up as a patsy when some shit went wrong. And I, I have no idea. I mean, it's so complicated and, and, you know, multi-layered that I'm like, I'm just lost, but I would, if you please, for the love of God, if you ever figure it out, let me know. Cause this one drives me nuts. Well, I talked to, I talked to Ole Damagard about it as well, because, um, because I had the same sorts of questions. And, and he, he said, it, it, look, he said, it's a tough one because there definitely was shooting, but mm -hmm. there was shooting coming from multiple directions. I mean, mm -hmm. that's established too. There, there's, you know, interviews with people that were on the ground and they're saying, they're saying, well, well I was getting shot at from someone on the ground. And the interviewer is like, well, how do you, how do you know that? She's like, well, because when I'm running and there's bullets whizzing by my ear, I can tell that there's someone standing behind me shooting mm -hmm. at me, dummy. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, and she got really snippy with the interviewer. Like, like I know the difference. And she's like, no, no, no. But the, it, the angle should have been coming from up there. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about up there. I know somebody behind me was shooting it, you know, right. and, and then a bunch of people turn up dead. And then there's the, there's the, the next uh, country music shooting in, in, in the Valley. And, you know, it, so, but then nobody talks about it. Yeah. And there were, there were major discrepancies early on about, the, uh, about when he checked into the hotel, the, the sheriff was saying one thing and, and look, the, the Vegas police, um, uh, that, that whole group of the, collectively, the Vegas police are, are, are some dangerous and sketchy dudes. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're I mean, super mob tied. they, they absolutely have, uh, you know, sinister connections. So, oh yeah, yeah. I, I would not expect the truth to come from them. And if and if no. you were gonna have a false flag and you wanted to have a police force that would investigate it how you needed them to, it'd be a great place to do it. Just saying. Um, yeah. So well, and then there's also the component that Vegas is such a tourist town yes. that that this is such, so bad for business. So is it possible that um, that 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 they were instructed to not not talk about this as much in the media you know to, oh yeah to, that that's as a way to to like listen don't kill las vegas we you know it generates a lot of income that airport is the sixth busiest airport in the world yep. uh we've got a lot of there's a lot of financial ties there that we need uh that this is not exactly a good i don't know what happened i don't know if this was uh some sort of you know, i don't know if they brought the jv team in to run this operation or what but but uh there was you know there, there were multiple shooters and, um, and it, and there were people were actually getting killed there that I do know. Um, yeah, unlike, I believe that. like some of the other ones where it's, it's, it's really questionable. So, sorry, I, I used false flag, but I meant it in the wrong way. A false flag in that they, 
they pinned the wrong guy. And right. do you, do you think he was even a shooter? No, me either. <laughs> I, don't, no. I, I think honestly he don't believe into, it. I think he walked into that room and somebody there just. Yeah. You know, and then they somebody, used his room to, to run the op. I mean, yeah. it's so, it's so much more uh, yeah. logical, honestly, given his record and everything. It's like, I just don't, I, man, that one, that one blows my mind. Um, anyways, well, well, I, oh, well they, can, they can prove it because, um, uh, if you look at the blood stain, if you look at the, the, the death picture of, 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 of Paddock, he's laying down and there's shell casings in the blood there. The shell casings are, uh, on top of the mm. blood. So it had and to, you he can't, had to it can't be on first. top of the blood if you're that, that implies it's people were shooting after the blood was there. So right. um, they shot him and then they then they started shooting from up there. But, you know, how you get those windows off and then and then, oh. hey, the Jorge Campos, the 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 brave security guard. Where does he go to tell his story? He Ellen. was on Ellen. <laughs> the CIA that's operative. Normal. <laughs> And and for the record, I I'm, I really believe that Ellen has has uh, CIA ties. So oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I do Yo, too, man. I don't trust I don't trust her. I don't I don't think she's a I don't think she's a good person. I don't I don't like her show. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Teddy. <laughs> I, I don't like her show. That's the that's the least uh, damning thing about damning her. thing about her in my opinion. Yeah. But um, <laughs> all right, so uh, here's here's the other layer of the question economically because this is my forte i'm a big time real estate investor so like this is very important to me too um i i struggle to wrap my head around why they want a hyperinflationary collapse as opposed to a deflationary one where they can they can foreclose on the assets like historically in my opinion it's it's more beneficial to the banks to be able to take the assets back, the hard assets, and then and then they hyperinflate, then they sell those assets that they got back into an inflated market. That that to me seems like a more logical scam to run if I was one of these big time guys. And obviously the banks are tied into this this racket somehow. How do they benefit do you know how they will benefit from it being a hyperinflationary death cycle? I think that I think it just at some point it'll be like, you know, maybe not totally Zimbabwe, but, but, but going that direction mm -hmm. and they'll say, all right, well, we just have to, you know, let's just rip up the current system. We're going to restart digitally. And it gives them a chance to, to start the scam all over again. Frankly, the, the, the fiat us dollar federal reserve scam should have ended years ago. Yes. We just have propped it up with shady accounting and uh, you know, keeping the petrodollar arrangement and the, the swift banking system arrangement. So we've got all these tools that we use to kind of keep everybody interested in the dollar, which would be fine if we weren't simultaneously inflating it away, which mm -hmm. we said we wouldn't do when we took it off of gold. We lied. Uh, and, and then, you know, and we're not making any friends around the globe either. We're out starting indiscriminate wars and, and, yeah. and printing all this money. And that looked like the rest of the world sees this and they go, you know, we don't love this. So, no. so I think it would be, I, I actually, when we wrote about this, this collapse of the American empire, we weren't necessarily saying that it was all going to be a bad thing, you know, mm -hmm. because there's some components of this that need to go away. And our, you know, our petrodollar arrangement and the, 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 the dollar as the world's reserve currency has given us the flexibility to live this lifestyle that is way above our means. And um, I think that at some point that's going to come crashing down and it's going to just really almost overnight impact um, 
the purchasing power. It's going to just be chaotic. And, you know, the bankers, I just feel like they, they, they love chaos. They know how to, you know, they create it. And so they, they, they know when to get in and when to get out. And yeah. So they, since they have the levers of power, whatever direction it goes, they can probably come out better than the rest of us. It's just, for me, it's hard to imagine them wanting a hyperinflationary collapse because it will be so destructive to the people within the country. Like you, you really have to be Luciferian to want that because it's going to be awful. And, and in a way it really jeopardizes their power. I mean, if, if it gets so bad, I mean, we're the most heavily armed country on earth in the history of the world. Like if it gets so bad that you fuck with us to the point that we, we can't get food. Yeah. I think you would even, even the docile Americans would rise up in that, in that environment. So I, I think they're playing with fire, man. I really do. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, we, we, we've seen what we'll do to an old lady on Black Friday to get a $3 <laughs> can opener. We'll knock her ass out, you know? Yeah. And like, and we didn't even need that happens. shit. Yeah, think, what, think what happens when there's no food. Right. We're savages, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. So this is it, it is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Uh, but if you're if you're remaking society and you're and this is part of and you've got to destroy this and you've got to destroy America as the as the centerpiece to this uh, build back better fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you've already got Europe on board. Europe the Europe will do whatever they're tell they're toast. Yeah, through the EU, the, you know, so they're they're on board with this already. But but to destroy America. Yeah, man, this is this is this would be a way to do it, and 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 not to not to gloss over this sort of unusual tidbit, but there is a military-industrial complex company called Deagle, and they are a um, they are they analyze spending and needs of countries so that they can plan how much to uh, allocate for different segments of their military buying Humvees, buying tanks, buying planes, this and that. Deagle runs uh, hardcore analytics of all sorts of global policy, you know, policies going around the globe, and they project where they see things going in the future. And then uh, these companies hire them to, uh, to help guide them in their purchases. And Deagle had put out a map in 2015 showing from where it was in 2015 to 2025. And it was populations of all the countries of the world. And what was the most alarming was that they had the population of the United States in 2015 at 340 million. And they had the population of the United States in 2025 as 99 million. And they didn't uh, stop there. It went with Canada. It was Australia. It was all of the Western world was cut by like 70%. And that just, that just you, gave me chills, man. What the hell? When you read what they said was going to be the cause for it, they said an economic collapse and a uh, pandemic. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Oh my so God. Like, Why do you still live here, man? If you, if you think this is true, which I, I, I actually I, tend to believe. I, I believe me. I, I am, I am, I am plotting my escape. Okay. You know, okay. I, I am, I am. It's, it's such a weird thing because it's like you, you look back on history and, you know, you, you hear those stories about the Jews in Germany in 1937 that go, 
uh, yeah, it's a little too hot on the block for me. I right. think I'm going to, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave everything behind and get out of here. It starts, you know, things are starting to heat up and you go, wow, that's someone with, uh, with conviction. And, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, listen, my wife and I have been talking about this. We're like, where, where do we go? Where yeah. is it going to not happen? Where is this going to be better? You got to know that too. Well, so, what, what did, what did Deagle say about the population of Mexico? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll have to check. I'll have to check the thing again, but it was, it wasn't, the thing is, it wasn't like mass uh, migration to a certain country or anything. The, there, there was no country that went, it, it, China went up a little bit. India went up a little bit. Some of these other <laughs> obscure countries went up a little bit, but by and large, it was just the population went down. Wow. And so that, you know, of course, takes you into some, you know, some speculation area where you start yeah. to say, well, is this part of a, is this part of a depopulation agenda? I know it sounds conspiratorial and crazy and because it is, of course, but, but these people sort of have backgrounds and, and they, you know, the, like the, like Bill Gates's dad ran Planned Parenthood, took the, over for Margaret Sanger. He has it, a, he's a eugenics background. Like it's uh, not <clears throat> reasonable to make that potential connection it's not oh, man. Say, i don't you know so it's it's ridiculous that people even push back like of all the conspiracy theories that i completely wholeheartedly buy into mm -hmm. it's that a lot of these power brokers have extremely eugenics belief systems yeah and and they 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 talk about population control openly Gates yes. has talked about it. He talked about how his vaccines were going to help reduce the population. Yes. I, I, I re-heard re that mentioned on your episode about Bill Gates, oh. which I found fascinating. And it was a terrific Thank episode. I hope people will check it out. Um, do you think that, that Bill Gates is one of these Luciferian types or is he just a megalomaniac that thinks that he can remake the world in his image type guy? I, you know, I think that there's something weird that happens when you can buy anything that has a price tag on it you start looking for things that don't have price tags on it. Like when you're the Rockefellers, you would buy up the education system. You'd mm -hmm. re you start the compulsory schooling system so that you could shape reality in your own form, you know, get, our, get the kids ready to work in their factories. So you create this schooling system that mimics the factories with like, you know, seats in straight lines and bell rings when, you know, and you got to ask permission to get up and get, you know, you sort of bake this authority into these kids early on so that they'll be great to work at your factory. Bill Gates did the same thing. He, he, he had all, has all the money in the world. He starts to take on the education system with common core and it starts tweaking uh, people because he wants them thinking a certain way. Well, the math component to that is screwing kids up. So there, there's a weird thing that, that some of these guys get Bill Gates is one of them. Uh, and that is they want, they, they want to play a role in thinning out the herd. They just feel like there's too many of us taking up space on their planet and especially when they when they're when they have a tech background because they they can see where automation is going they can see where robots are going and they're just going look taking the eugenics component completely out of the equation just on a logical uh manning my my uh factory sort of thinking there's a bunch of human beings that i don't need anymore Mm -hmm. They're going to be replaced by machines. They're going to be replaced. I can get a robot for 40 grand that can do the work of three of these people. And it's not going to unionize and it's not going to ask for time off for pregnancies. And it's like, I can just do all this shit. And, and if you're somebody running a business that answers to shareholders that want their stock price to go up a little bit more, you might be inclined to do that. And so you, you start 
turning into a world where the fewer and fewer humans are needed, it's not unsurprising. It's, it's kind of a reasonable jump for these people to start thinking, well, since we, since these people aren't going to be doing anything, let's just get rid of them. Right. If you, you know? take, if you take out any sense of morality, it kind of makes sense. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. I, it's just, I, again, I go back to the, my thesis that they are absolutely playing with fire. Like, yes, Obviously, if Bill Gates has to lay or doesn't have to, but he decides to to compete globally, he lays off all of his his factory workers because they all become, you know, automated machines and things like that. Yeah, they they might eventually rise up against him because they're all out of work and starving because of hyperinflation, all these other sick fucking plots that they have against us. Um, So it if you want to take the onus off of yourself. Here comes this virus. You know, yes. we can. So I'm not killing you. This virus is, which I may or may not have had something to do with. Uh, what, what's your what's your thesis on on the origin of coronavirus? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it it's just it's just so convenient that they role played this thing was going to leak out, and then it leaked out. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure about the 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 Wuhan lab. Right. I don't know if it came out. I don't know if it was a bioweapon. Hey, for all I know, they've been spraying us with it for for months and months. I mean, a lot of people said that they were sick in like November of 2019. They said I felt really bad a couple of months before that. So, I I I don't know how they did it exactly. Okay. I just know that they did it because once again, now here we have another invisible enemy that we can direct our, 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 you know, trillions of dollars towards first, it was terrorism. Uh, you know, we, you can't, you know, there's terrorists, they're, they're going to get you in, in America, even though it's statistically more likely to get killed by a vending machine, <laughs> it's seven times more likely to get killed by a vending machine than it is to get killed by a terrorist in the United States. And you're, so, and you're about a million times more likely to get killed by the contents of a, of a vending machine than you are from coronavirus. Exactly. <laughs> that is totally true as well. Uh, so, so they've got this invisible enemy, the new version to, right. that, that will scare people. And, and, and it is doing a great job, man. We've got people double masking and wearing oh, visors and, and they are, they are and wearing three pairs of underwear just yeah. in case they are not going to get it. They are so scared. So do you, do you ever get stunned by the, the efficacy of their ops? Cause like I, I personally would have never thought that you could break the American people over a virus with the 99 plus percent survival rate. Like I, I didn't think we would give up all of our freedoms for that. And we did gleefully. Yeah. And it's completely divided our country in a way that I never imagined possible where you have people that are still like, no, freedom is my priority and enjoying my life and happiness is my priority. And then you have these fucking pathetic assholes that are just like, no, we were going to have the kids kill themselves so that grandma maybe doesn't get a cold. It's, it is. It is. It, if it wasn't so serious. Yes. It would be the most fascinating psychological study you could do because if we weren't we just, living it. <laughs> yeah, I know we're living it, which makes it like horrible. And and yeah. I and and I and I just had to go to the grocery store and I go in the grocery store and I don't wear a mask, but like I have an emotional force field up where like I feel like I am ready for someone to say something and I'm like, you yeah. know, and I'm trying to not do that, but but I also realize that I get, I am, my anxiety goes up before I go in. Cause I know that I'm, it's the potential for a conference confrontation. And like before this, I wouldn't, I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever yelled at anybody in a grocery store or been yelled at in a grocery store. So I, I clearly would never walk into a store anticipating conflict, mm-hmm. but now I do. And, yep. 
and I want to like shake people, you know, but I've got what, uh, 10 seconds of, of interaction. What am I going to lay out the whole plan and say, listen, no, 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 this whole thing is, <laughs> you know, so I can't do that. Have you and, seen the charts? You actually don't have to wear a mask. I, I don't right, know if you've seen right, the here, charts. Let me, let me show you. Wait, hey, let me get to slide four. Uh, I've got all the stats there. But yeah. so I, I've, I find myself having to like prioritize my emotional energy and, and not work on people that I feel are too far gone. And it's been an embarrassment, frankly, to me about the, the response of the, of, of America in general to this, because there's just a whole lot of people that have outsourced their critical thinking to the media and to Fauci and to Bill Gates. And they, and they're just like, Oh, I'm not a scientist. I can't get all, I don't, I don't know the sciencey stuff. So just tell me what to do. Right. And it's like, well, well, when you do that, just know that you, you, you have given them the right to say whatever they want to say. And like you, we, we didn't collectively challenge Fauci. We didn't dig into his past as a, as a nation and say, wait a second, before you stand up at that podium and tell us what to do, we want to know who you are. And then it's like, when you dig in, you're like, oh, of course, yeah. of course, of course. We, now we know who you are. You're a deep state scumbag who's friends with all these guys and has been for four decades. And so, I read, I read he made like $20 million last year. Did you read that? He, well, he owns patents. He yeah. owns patents. So he makes it, he's also the highest paid government employee in, in the country. Yeah. So, well, that That's peanuts compared to what he could be making off those patents. Cause I think he's only getting like 500 something thousand from the government, but yeah, yeah. The patents. Oh yeah. He's, he's, and he's in charge of, of an administration that gives away billions of dollars every year that right. has billions of dollars to give away. So when you do that, imagine now the you're like Santa Claus, you know, yes. you're going around, you know, making everybody happy. <laughs> and so when, when the, when it's time for them to all criticize you, well, you know, Bill Gates financed the media, hundreds and hundreds of or news organizations with millions and millions of dollars. And, so, the, and the, the other aspect that people don't talk about is that Gates is responsible for much of the science studies across yeah. the, across the globe too. Oh so yeah. He controls science. He controls the, the acceptable discussion when it comes to the media and the acceptable discussion when it comes to science. And yes. when you, when you control the discussion on either of those items, there is no longer a discussion because science is very much a broad-based exploration of everything that we are witnessing and trying to come to a conclusion. And he's like, no, this is, I will fund anyone who comes to the conclusion I want. And it's like, people just, people are, they need to wake up, man. I am fucking horrified. Like every, every day that this persists, I get more pessimistic about not just the, the longevity of this country, but the way in which it will dissolve. I am confident this country is not going to survive at this point. Now I'm just worried about how it dissolves and, and how many people are taken out with it. And, and that's, that's kind of been my, my drive and my focus in, in starting this show was I just wanted to give some people economic knowledge so that they can try and shelter themselves from what I see coming. But ultimately, yeah. I'm not a military specialist. I, I, can't, I can't talk you into knowing how to defend yourself. And I think we're going to have to. And that's yeah. crazy to me. Do you think yeah. that we actually go to a hot civil war? What, do, you, do you have any idea of how this plays out? I, I, so it's funny, you know, we, when Jeff and I wrote this book, that we ended it by describing something that was similar to what you were describing. We, we, we reminded people of uh, December 26th, 2004, Banda Aceh tsunami 
in Indonesia. That morning, all the people that were there on vacation went outside, went to the beach, and the water was gone. It was just gone. It was all sucked out into out to sea. And they wandered out and they took pictures and selfies and did all this stuff. <clears throat> they because they'd never seen anything like this. It was so strange. It was so foreign. But the people that knew what that meant got immediately got to high grounds. Yeah. The animals instinctively knew to get to high grounds. They said that there were like stampeding elephants going up mountains and things like that. So where we are right now is we've come out and we're standing on the beach and we see this. And my feeling is tell the people that you're with, let's get the fuck out of here and get to <laughs> higher ground. Tell whoever you can tell, but get going. And you're not going to be able to save anybody or everybody, but you're going to save a couple people. You're going to save people close to you, people that are willing to listen and, and hear what you have to say. Tell them, I'll explain it all later, but plan accordingly. Get yourself out of the banking system. Get yourself into some hard assets like gold and silver. Get you Start thinking about what you would do if it was all coming apart. Because unfortunately, when the wheels come off, everybody's going to have the same idea at the same time. So you sort of need to be a couple steps ahead of people and, um, and just try to just try to get your. I mean, as far as like a, a, a civil war between people, that's the most complicated part of this. It's like we're used to wars where people are wearing one uniform or the other uniform and you know who to shoot. Well, in this, who, you know, if you go out to Ferguson and the, you know, and uh, mask versus no mask, bro, that's the major delineating line at this point. Right. Yeah. Mask, no mask. That's your uniform yeah. right now. Um, I mean, that's scary it, as hell. That is totally scary as hell, but it, it there, there's, and, and I, and, and I hope it doesn't come. I hope. No, it of course. Come. No, no one's, I, think, I mean, I only the we'll, sickest motherfuckers are rooting for that. I'm just saying yeah. the, the, the amount of social discord within this country is at such a fever pitch. And there's another invisible, visible enemy that you did not mention. And that's the racism, white supremacy, yes. invisible enemy that they are propagating daily where it's yeah. like white people are now the only people that are basically allowed to be demonized in any former fashion and they do it yeah. in a sense that they are telling us that that we have this underlying massive racism and white supremacy problem in this country and and the the social discord is very real whether or not that problem is is significant or not which i think it's very mild they have they have exacerbated the issue in the in the minds of the people where okay. they are they now believe that like minorities in particular probably not all obviously but many think that the cops are hunting them and they believe that. And, and certainly they have plenty of reason to think that the cops have not, they have not treated them well. So like, I'm not trying to justify any of this. I'm just saying they, the media has, has created yet another invisible enemy for which we are willing to give up our freedoms and risk everything to try and fight. And, and I think that in hindsight, we will look back on it much the, much the way we did COVID, much the way we did the war on terror. And we will say to ourselves, what have we done? What have we sacrificed to try and fight this? And did it actually win? Did could could we win any war uh, against this this phantom that we're all uh, horrified of? And it's just it's just psyop after psyop, man. It really it really feels like that. Yeah, 
Yeah, the 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 white guilt thing is a, is a weird uh, lane that we've been put into. I mean, it started in porn, right? You've got the cuck videos, you know, the, <laughs> the five black guys, one girl, and then the white guy sitting in the corner sucking his thumb. <laughs> like it started there, <laughs> and now it's spread to like Ferguson. I, I didn't know, even think I didn't like, even think about that side of it. We have to apologize for everything we've done. It's like, listen, I get it. There's been a lot of white people who've done some shitty stuff. I of mean, course. I, we can't deny that. And the, there's been a, 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 a segment of the white population that's been in power for a long time. I think the, I think more so than, than us fighting black versus white, if we could temporarily just call a timeout to all that stuff and recognize that it's really all of us versus the predator class, if we took care of that problem first, then I think a lot of our differences would would magically go away because 100%. I think they're responsible for creating this chaos that makes us hate each other. A hundred percent. If we just took care of them, then it would be like, oh, hey, other, hey, black guy, I'm a white guy. You like baseball? I like baseball. Too. Let's go to a Padres <laughs> game. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because I, as I can only speak for myself, as a as a as one of the whitest white guys on the on the planet, um, I don't ever think about like uh, today I need to oppress the black man. It's never (laughs) crossed my mind to do that. If I even could, not that I could, but it, so this idea that like all white people are plotting to do this is I can just, I can assure you there is no, no, Uh, there there, there isn't, but that's what's so, that's what's so offensive about it is that I, I feel, I feel on the defensive and on guard to these accusations of racism when I've never, I've never treated someone of a different race any differently in my day to day life. Like I, sure, I've treated some people of minority class in in a shitty way because I thought that they were being shitty to me. Uh, and but same for fucking white people. I've treated right. people that suck like shit because they suck. And right. and that's that's how I've always gone about it. And and yet now because and and this is my view because of Keynesian economics, modern monetary theory. Uh, interest interest rate manipulation, the Federal Reserve's existence as a whole, it has created income inequality, not to mention government regulations, which actually were genuinely racist that actually exacerbated the issue of poverty within the black community. These are the power brokers that fucked you up. These are the people you should be upset with. You you shouldn't be upset with your everyday white dude. There's plenty of fucking poor white people that exist on this planet too, just for the record. And and it's like they have us at each other's throats based off of skin tone when in fact the, the battle is over the power. And, yes. and the power is all up there. And we are fucking looking at each other when we should be looking up. And it drives me crazy. I, I 100% agree with all of that. Yeah. And, and if we could just get everybody to calm down. But the, the television set, you know, it tells you it tells you who to hate and people are so pressed for time. They don't have they just they don't know they haven't thought it out and they get riled up and they're pissed off and they're right to be pissed off. I mean, yes. look, the, the riots last year um, were, were coming from a place of frustration, a frustration being locked down, frustration with police killing people. I mean. I, I was at USC in 1992 when the Rodney King riots happened. So I, w- I know what it's like to be in South Central Los Angeles when the shit kicks off and everything bursts into flames. It's fucking terrifying. Yep. And I remember thinking, well, at least after these riots are over, we won't have the problem of all these white cops beating the shit out of a black cop or a black guy because it will just 
it will be so disgusting on its face that it just won't happen that much anymore. Right. And yet here we are 30 years later, man, so right, like right back in the same place where we were. And this is what I was talking to Hotep Jesus about. I was saying, you know, these, these guys in your community, uh, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson have been marching the community around in a fucking circle for three decades. Yep. Cause you, cause you, you did this when Rodney King got his ass beat and the, and the cops got off and you rioted and, and you were pissed off. And, and here we are three, three decades later, and we're having the same conversation. We're having the same, right. And the same thing. It's like, I don't think those guys are helping. And he's like, I don't think they are either. I think they don't represent us. Yeah. Hotep, Hotep talks a lot about grifting man is, uh, not Reverend Jackson. I mean, he's a, he's a grifter too, but, uh, Sharpton Sharpton is Sharpton. The, he's the king he's a of the rat grifters. for the FBI. I know. The- I know. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's the, like the supreme grifter. He should he should win the grifties every year on Hotep's yes, he channel. Should, it should be named in his honor. It should be the, the Reverend Al Sharpton grifties. You should get a statue. Yeah, uh, man, I have I could talk to you for all night. I think likewise. Um, yeah, but, but uh, let, let's do it again sometime soon. Yes. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can follow you. You can find, so my podcast is called Macro Aggressions. It's available in audio and video format for most episodes. Uh, audio on Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio and all those places. And then on video, it's available at David Icke's Iconic platform. It's on Rockfin. Uh, I'm on Odyssey and YouTube. And then if people want to check out my stuff, it's my website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. And that has information about uh the books and podcast and awesome. merch store and all kinds of crazy stuff well, you can get an operation paperclip shirt like this i love it uh, I, there i think, I've I think you'll get some crazy, crazy i think you'll get some bias from it because i there there's a tremendous overlap between the the conspiracy theory crowd and the libertarian crowd i've noticed yeah. um and i think it's 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 largely because it's critical thinking people. I mean, right. obviously we're not interested in fucking fitting in. We're libertarians. Like, so, right. so uh, we, we are more than willing. Plus we're very anti-government. So we get to, we'll, we will dive right into any sort of um, evidence that, you know, especially since the CIA releases everything 50 years after the fact, so we can actually see yeah. what type of sick shit they were doing to us. Yeah. Um, and then we like to, you know, pontificate on what, what, what might be occurring today. So, um, I think that you'll have have quite a few new listeners from this, and I and I, uh, I hope so because it was it it was a blast. So thank you so much for coming on, Charlie. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Talk soon. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World premiere. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening Scared Hollywood, lefties lyrical fappening A typo with Luke might bring them nooses We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit Know I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit 
Peter Quinones, invite me on. Which podcast sends custom songs? Part of the problem, now I stand with the people. Dave showed the way, but I am unequal. Lions and Liberty now hear me roar. Beat running out, but I got a bit more. Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth, but I made him a sandwich. Now I'm man of the house. No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit. I went over BLM with the fire I spit. Friends against government, just call us fags. Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag. Allowable opinions get thrown on the ground. Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound. Getting so hot, must be Air July. Screaming in the mic, a rip of 59. Miles Jure showed that black guns matter. Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders. None of us wanted war, but we're ready. You know I be bopping, ain't rock steady. Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Let's get into the show.